And as a first step, we're not asking the government to support mothers to be at home, but to remove the penalties, um, particularly the financial ones, which make it so impossible to be at home. Um, and our challenge, the Mothers at Home Matter challenge to the government is having denied us the ability to be the main carer for our own children, prove to us that what you're that you are doing a better job with the billions of pounds of taxpayer money that, that, than we can do, um, you know, looking after our own children uh, with love. Hello, I'm Claire Pay, and this is Mothers Matter podcast. Uh, this is a podcast which talks about why mothers matter and what matters to mothers. Um, in today's podcast, I'm celebrating 30 years of the campaign and support organisation Mothers at Home Matter. Um, I'm going to be chatting with Anne Fennell, who is the chair, about why Mothers at Home Matter exists, um, why it's impossible for many mothers to choose to be at home, and why today's society values mothers doing paid work outside the home rather than caring for their children at home. And in an exciting new development, I also have a second guest, Becca Woolgar. Becca runs local groups for mothers, and she tells me why she set them up and why she finds volunteering so rewarding. So today, I'm really pleased to be talking with Anne Fennell, who is Chair of Mothers at Home Matter. Uh, Anne, thank you very much for being with me today and with all of us. Um, could you tell us what Mothers at Home Matter is? Yeah, Mothers at Home Matter um, was established about 30 years ago um, in the face of increasing pressure for, for mothers to return to work, either before they or their children felt ready to do so. Um, and our aims really remain very much the same, to, to give mothers the choice and confidence to care for their children at home. And we have sort of two strands to Mothers at Home Matter. One is a su support side uh, for mothers who are at home or who mo mothers who would like to be at home. And the other is a campaigning side of Mothers at Home Matter. And we have three, three main areas. One is to promote um, a better understanding of children's developmental need for loving and consistent care. The second is to campaign for an economic level playing field for parents who do stay at home. So basically to remove the penalties which stop mothers being able to be at home. And, and thirdly, we want to enhance the status and self-esteem of mothers at home because really, you know, the, the feeling of self-worth is, is at a low ebb and um, many mothers just feel rather worthless. So <laughs> we're, we're really the voice campaigning, you know, to say that this is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was, well, that's excellent. And uh, we'll, well, we'll go into more detail on all those bits later. Um, but could you say a bit about the sort of landscape for mothers in the UK? What's it? Well, and actually in many developed countries around the world, what's it? Uh, what do you see as the issues facing mothers um, in the UK at the moment? Yeah, um, I think uh, the freedom really to be able to be at home um, is no longer there for mothers. I think mothers don't feel that they have a choice anymore. Um, they're uh, about, a, you know, a generation ago, I think most mothers could be at home. And in fact, uh, most families could survive on one income. But now um, I think there's only about 25% of mothers who are able, either able to be at home or struggling at home. Um, 
and uh, that number is sort of diminishing. Um, and that's really been a result of policies, both treasury policies and governmental policies and society's attitudes to the role of care at home. So that mothers not only feel that the, the sort of social status of being at home is, is um, a not a very worthy one, but also, um, you know, you do really basically need to um, incomes to survive. Um, and I think we're there to say, you know, this doesn't have to be the case and all policies don't have to be geared to, to um, pushing mothers out to work and for children to go into childcare. You know, external childcare is not the only option, you know, for raising our children. And I think, you know, looking around the world, you know, you look at Sweden, I think the latest thing they're, they're trying to implement is that compulsory... Um, that children should be in compulsory daycare from the age of two. Um, we don't really want that to go that way here. We want mothers to be able to, and children, <laughs> we want children to be able to have their mothers and mothers to have that choice to be with their children. So we don't want policies to go more and more to the point where, you know, children from the very, very early ages are being sent to daycare with no other options on the table. So that's where our main, you know, focus of our campaign is. And you're mentioning um, government policies. Uh, yeah. In terms of um, finances, is there anything in particular that's happened in the last 30 years that's affected family finances? Yes, absolutely. Um, if you had to pick a point in time, I think I would choose 1990 when um, under Margaret Thatcher, she brought in independent taxation. Um, now, this is not a bad thing in itself. There was definitely a need to change the taxation system because mothers and women were sort of dependents of their husband and it was definitely time to, to modernise that. But we kind of thrown the baby out with the bathwater. So where we, we used to have um, transferable allowances between husband and wife and allowances for children, now we, we, we got rid of everything. We, we, we no longer have any sort of allowances that support... Um, raising a family. So our taxation system is one of the only ones in the world not to recognise a family and not to recognise the dependent nature of the family. Um, so, so to try and compensate for that, Gordon Brown brought in um, tax credits um, and that does compensate to a certain level, although it has caused lots of other problems, um, including a problem where um, for you know, families on lower income, it's very, very difficult to get out of um, low low income because the more the more they earn, the more their uh, benefits and tax credits are reduced. So it creates a tax trap, which is another conversation which we could have <laughs> later. But um, the other, you know, the, then then there was a child benefit, which helped, which was universal and helped all families. But that that's now being cut in a really unfair way and. Um, uh, and during the coalition period, we saw more and more policies penalising um, parents who stayed at home um, and more and more subsidy of um, childcare. So, you know, you get the you can now get between 15 and 30 hours, which is subsidised, which makes it much more um, financially viable to have two incomes, you know, as well as a taxation system which supports two incomes. So really to, to be at home you're penalised in a variety of ways. And, and for those who, who try to um, to be there, um, you know, it's a, it's a struggle or, or a sacrifice. And we really want to level that playing field. Yes. I heard that uh, one of the issues as well um, is uh, housing costs. That, Absolutely, uh, yeah. 
I heard it said that, you know, and, and um, income, so in relative terms, men's incomes haven't increased since yeah. the 70s, but houses have, and the only way yeah. you can afford that is to have two people working. Is that yeah. something you've heard about? Well, absolutely. Um, but and here lies the sort of the problem. Um, two, two incomes was great when, when it first, you know, when we first started having two incomes um, because you could afford the extra car, you could afford the holiday, you could afford an extra, you know, an, a slightly bigger house. But now, um, but as, you know, as more people, as more people became to earn of families, it, it sort of all went into inflated house prices. Um, and now, um, well, it's difficult to turn the clock back really now. Um, we're kind of stuck in a situation where house prices are, are inflated um, and you do need those two incomes. But the problem I see is that if you keep subsidising childcare, you keep those inflated house prices high. You know, you keep making enabling those two people to work. But, you know, any other choice becomes, well, you don't then have a choice to do anything else um, because you're supporting a certain sort of system. Um, you know, one, housing is an area I would like to tackle and perhaps we can talk a bit more about it later. But um, yes, it, it is a problem. <laughs> mm. Why do you think the government's been so, I'd say, obsessed with getting women out to work? Or rather, it's not so much women working, it's not, it's a nothing, it's a no-brainer. But mothers working <laughs> is the issue. Or rather, children not spending time with their mothers is really what it is. Why do you think they've been so keen to separate children from mothers? Um, I think there's a variety of reasons. I think um, there has been a drive to, to um, you know, increase employment levels. Um, you know, women going out to work has um, has uh, made made you know employment levels look look good. Um, it increases GDP, uh, gross domestic product. It makes makes us look like we're more productive than we are because when you're at home. The, the uh, work that you do is not counted for. But if, if that gets transferred into a paid economy, if you're paying somebody else to do that, um, that then becomes a monetary value and it can be counted for. You know, you also get the tax receipts from the people who are doing the caring, the nursery carers. You also get the tax receipts from the mothers who are going out to work caring. Um, I think also there was probably an issue with mothers on benefits. And I think the government really wanted to get those mothers into work. Um, so that was another area of focus. Um, there's also been the um, the gender, um, you know, getting um, uh, equal pay and equal gender, um, the gender yeah, to, to yeah eliminate the gender pay gap, which uh, which you can't really do unless you get all mothers into work. But I, I actually don't think that the uh, that is is a primary issue. I think that's been used as an excuse to, <laughs> for for other things. Um, um, I think there, there probably has been some concern about some children in disadvantaged families, um, you know, trying to get them into childcare. But in terms of in terms of you know making the books look good and making productivity look good, getting mothers into work, you know, looks good. But what effect it has on the children? That I don't think that's been really counted or acknowledged or really looked at. So, do you think it's uh, primarily an economic? economic driven decision that they they just want mothers working um i don't um i think 
I think it's a mixture. Um, I know certainly under, um, you know, George Osborne, there were definite targets. You know, we want to get 50,000 more mothers back into work uh, by 2000. I can't remember who it was now, but um, there were definite targets to get mothers into work. There were the EU driven targets where, you know, we want, you wanted to see 75% of mothers in work. That, that was seen as a, as a good thing. Um, so, yes, there has definitely been, you know, targets. My feeling is that it's very tricky for male politicians to do anything that would make it easier for women not mm. to work as such, you know, not to do paid work outside the home. I think there's a big sort of cultural issue. And the only way you would be able to deal with that would be to have a, a woman saying mothers want to be at home. But, but ironically, all the MP women are yeah. working women (laughs) so paid so-called working you know paid women so you don't it's very difficult to have an advocate in that position yeah yes it Mm. is very difficult and um in in our campaigning work in parliament um there are a few mps who've been brilliant and and stood up for us but they are you know you can count them on your on on one hand actually not even two (laughs) um there there are like uh, my mp dave who who was my mp um david burrows and um he he stood up for us um but he had a sort of um he um he he said it would be much better if you could find a woman to sort of advocate for you um he said uh, and um and many like you said many of the women there were working mothers and, and didn't see uh, why they should be supporting mothers to be at home where really actually we're trying to support mothers to be able to get to work because they couldn't afford to work because they had to look after because childcare costs were so high. Um, uh, yes, it, it is a difficult problem. Fiona Bruce has been brilliant. She, she's one of those MPs who will support us. But it, it is, mm. it is um, it's a difficult battle. <laughs> I'd like to go through some of the, the tricky questions that... Um, People are always asking, Mothers at Home Matter. And and one of them is, why should the government support Mothers at Home? Well, I'd like to ask the question, um, really, what have been the cost of society to the family, to mothers and children themselves, of not supporting mothers to be able to be at home? Um, You know, the government has denied us the ability to be at home. um, And as a first step, we're not asking the government to support mothers to be at home, but to remove the penalties Um, particularly the financial ones that would make it so impossible to be at home. Um, And our challenge, the Mothers at Home Matter challenge to the government is having denied us the ability to be the main carer for our own children, prove to us that that you are doing a better job with the billions of pounds of taxpayer money than we can do, um, you know, looking after our own children uh, with love. Is there any um, evidence that it makes a difference who looks after children? Um, <laughs> yes, go on to our website. There's, there's, there's a lot of information. Um, I think I think the main thing is that you have a consistent, loving person who is there available for, particularly for very, very young children. Although you know, once you hit <laughs> teenagerhood, that's also a very tricky time. But um, I think it's really for families to be able to to um, have the freedom to choose for themselves what the best and optimum way is. But that, but there are there are you know a lot of studies, and, and we've been looking at those studies and trying to um, and trying to uh, 
to open up the debate about what is the optimum care for children. And I think, you know, each child is unique. And I, th I mean, I have six and I know they are all quite different. And, you know, one child will cope very well in nursery and another one won't. Um, there, there has been um, studies which, we, I mean, the, the mother's role is quite a unique role. In, you know, you, you birth, the, the child is within you for, for nine months. Um, you birth the child, you, you know, you feed the child. Uh, and I think the mother plays an important part in kind of protecting that child in, in the initial period, particularly um, to buffer the child from stress. Um, uh, and in that, you know, in those first couple of years, a child doesn't really need to be in a stressful environment. And it's better, it's better that they are uh, in a non in a stress-free environment. And being with a mother, I think, is probably the most <laughs> stress-free environment. Um, uh, I think Erica Commissar, um, she speaks a lot about that. And I know you've done a podcast with her. So, and that's on our website, as well as quite a few papers. We're working with um, What About the Children, who do a lot of the um, scientific research on this. Um, but just from a personal, just from a personal anecdotal point of view, I know that, you know, I, you know, I watch my children growing up and um, when they're very, very little, they sort of, they, they sort of come to you, they rest their head on your, on your lap. Then, then they sort of crawl away, they do their own thing, but then they come back to you, then they go away again. And I think it, it's just part of knowing you're there. Um, and at, at about eight, nine months, they start to become aware of you. And if you're not there, they sort of start to be worried. So I think the mother does play a crucial role in, um, and just protecting that child in those in those first few years, and and particularly, you know, uh, and the Duchess of Cambridge is 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 um, talking a lot about it. The the brain the brain development in those first three years is is when the brain development takes place. Um, and I know Erica talks about this too. The the development of the right side of the brain, the left side is the sort of um, cognitive, the learning side of the brain, but the right side is the emotional development. Um, and that's really important that that is nurtured as well. And I and I think being in a home, stress-free environment, um, is just is just helpful. Um, yeah, I agree. And in terms of um, mothers, do you have anyone contacting you who's a mother? In terms of the toll on the mental health of mothers who can't be with their children because they just can't afford it because they, uh, uh, you know, that the, they can't afford under the tax regime to give up work. Yeah, um, you know, I think we hear we hear a lot that mothers mothers want to go back out to work, but there's a lot of the studies are saying quite the opposite, and a lot of parents are ringing us saying, you know, it's really painful to be able to, to to have to leave our children. We don't want to, but we have no other choice. We've got to pay the you know, we've got to pay the bills, we've got to pay the rent. Um, I, just some recent studies, just as an example. Um, uh, so we've, there was um, the Department for Education, um, an early years child uh, survey, 2019. So two thirds, 65% of mothers with children aged naught to four would rather work fewer hours so they could spend more time looking after their children. And only 17% of mothers not working um, said, that they would return to work if childcare were cheaper. But this is echoed in many, many other surveys. Uh, there was a Centre for Social Justice survey um, this year in 2020 saying, overall, the majority of surveyed parents of preschool aged children would prefer to work part-time or not at all. 78% of mothers and 50% of fathers. 
um, particularly uh, with children between the age of six months and a year. But this has been going on for years. You know, in 2011, there was a couple of surveys, Britain Thinks, which said people believe families are under stress and in an ideal world, one parent should be able to be there, be at home. Uh, net mums have had various debates in which mothers are saying, you know, there's no choice anymore. If we had the choice, we wouldn't, um, we would want more hours at home, but the financial stresses are too great. But, but you never really get to hear that side of things. You tend to hear that mothers uh, want to go out to work but can't afford the childcare. So I don't really know <laughs> why we're not focusing <laughs> on, on, on these, uh, yeah, on these statistics. Yeah, another tricky question is mm. um, your mothers at home matter, but why mm. not fathers? Mm. Why do you focus on mothers so much? Um, there are a few reasons. Um, the you know mothers at home matter was established thirty years ago um, because of the pressure on mothers to go out to work, um, and that still remains the case. Um, and we haven't solved that problem, <laughs> so I still think we exist to help uh, mothers. I think mothers feel that. The image is, is that staying at home is backward, that it's sepia tinted, um, but actually it's not. So it's really there to give uh, value to, to the idea of mothers being at home. You know, fa fathers do play a fantastic role and some fathers do it brilliantly. Um, there are other organisations um, supporting fathers. Uh, all of all the policies that we advocate, such as you know the ch childcare vouchers following the child or money following the child so that parents have a choice, um, it'd be the same whether you're a mother or a father or a grandmother, but um, we are really there to support mothers. Um, and because they do have a unique role, because you do, you know, you, we are pregnant with, with the children, we do give birth, and, and um, we're, it, through our support side, we're able to help mothers, um, you know, whether it's with postnatal depression or with, you know, there's time after the birth. It just allows us to, to have a focus and, and really to fill a void because I don't think there's any, any other organisation doing this. Mm. Um, and I think one, one more question that people, well, a couple more questions people come out with, and I yeah. think we've largely answered these, but mm. you can um, rephrase them, is yeah. um, people just say, look, it's just a luxury to have yeah. a mother at home. It'd be lovely. I'd love to be at home full time, but I can't. It's a luxury. You're lucky if you can do it. I couldn't do it. It's far too difficult. You know, that's what people say to make you feel better. Um, is it a luxury to have, you know, can the country afford to have, you know, all those mothers at home? Well, ask a baby or a toddler if, it, if he thinks it's a luxury to have his mother. Um, I think it's crazy. I think we've kind of turned the world upside down and we're seeing it back to front. Um, it's never been a luxury to have a mother before at home. You, know, you see people from very poor countries having, you know, the baby and the mother in, the mother holding the baby and the baby being with the mother. Um, but we have created, we've distorted our economics so that for most families, um, it's become a financial impossibility, but it wasn't the case a generation ago. It used to be quite the you know the normal thing to do, um, and it is policy that has made it this way. And it doesn't have to be this way. In fact, I think it's outrageous that the, that the one freedom that mother that the mother no longer has, despite thirty years of economic progress, is that she has no longer the choice to be there at home. Mm. Yeah. Uh, another thing that people tend to say, and I think we've largely covered it, is, you mm. know, my friend went back to work full time and her children absolutely fine. Yeah. So what are you worried about? Well, Mothers at Home Matter, our work is not to tell 
families how to live their lives or what's best for them, but really to, to, free, to give freedom to mothers so that they can make their own informed choice on what's best for their families. And at that moment, at the moment now, that's not available. So that's what we're campaigning for. Very good. Very good. <laughs> I think one more really tricky issue, and then let's get back to the what you're campaigning on and, and sort of futures, <laughs> mm. is talking with friends about it. Because, yeah. you know, the media is always on about the playground wars and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, the stay-at-home mothers feel undervalued, but working, so-called working mothers, mothers who are paid for what they do, mm. um, feel judged by stay-at-home mothers. Uh, how do you... Do you have friends who are largely working outside the home? Do you talk to them about Mothers at Home Matter? Yes. Have you avoided? <laughs> I think a bit of both. I think um, I think the mummy wars are really stirred up by the media. I mean, it, just in terms of um, uh, it, it, with my friends on it, on I think we actually support each other. And uh, and actually, this came up as a real issue because when we would, we did an article for the Daily Mail and one thing I said really clearly was I do not want to put to pose mothers working against mothers at home. That's one thing I really, as chair of Mothers at Home Matters, one thing I really want to do is to build the bridges. Um, and they said, yes, of course, yes, of course. And of course, as soon as that article went into the Daily Mail, the big headline title was mothers, working mothers, um, feel uh, snubbed or something by by say at home I can't remember but it, it was it basically did quite the opposite to why I asked it to they they put in that mummy wars and um, it wasn't there um, you know in the playground I you know I look after working mothers children all the time and 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 some friends that you know I think they're brilliant mothers um, on the other hand I do find it difficult to talk about mothers at home matter so you know it's only this year that I've actually put mothers at home matter conference on my Facebook page <laughs> and I, I you know I do <laughs> yes it is not an is not an easy subject and it and it um it's quite an emotive subject so I think yeah it's a bit of both there's a bit of both mm. but I think I think um over time um, when people realise that, you know, we're not there to attack people's lifestyles, but there to really to give freedom to people to to be able to choose. Uh, and I think uh, hopefully by by having confidence and saying, you know, I am a stay at home mother and this is what I do, um, will give confidence for other people to to do the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. Oh, well, go back to the um, campaigning. Have you got um, what's in the diary for Mothers at Home Matter? What are you working on at the moment? Um, well, it's really a really exciting time for Mothers at Home Matter. Um, we spent the last year really sort of putting in the groundwork. So we've got a new website. Um, we've, we've been building up the team. We've just started um, local support groups. Um, we just recognised that really mothers feel quite isolated, lonely, um, and particularly at this time with COVID and, and the restrictions on being able to see each other, we've just set up um, these online groups, that, which hopefully will, will later translate into mothers actually meeting together. But for the moment, they're online um, just to give each other support and encouragement um, and practical help if, if needed. Um, so that's one area that's really exciting. Um, we're also developing a few courses that um, which we which we offering mothers so the first one we've just we're in our last week this week it's called mothers connect just looking at you know things like resilience um our own worth um 
patience. <laughs> um, and actually, you know, even just to have a laugh and laugh at ourselves and, and just to be able to talk with each other about, you know, the, the ups and the downs and, and the, um, the challenges and also the joys as well, because it's so easy to get lost in the challenges and forget the magic of raising children. So um, that's something which we will run again because it's been really successful. So we're hoping to run that again in the new year. But we've also got um, two or three other courses coming up, which are equally exciting. Um, one of them is um, we're trying to put a package together for uh, new mothers um, or mothers who are pregnant and are thinking about staying at home. And also to tackle, so, you know, with your NCT classes, you tackle the practical aspect, you know, giving birth and, the, and what happens afterwards. Um, but also looking at the emotional side. So to, to look at what happens if, if you don't fall in love with your baby, to tackle the kind of postnatal depression side of things or if you do and you know the, the very fact that your hormones go all over the place after you know after birth um from you know one one moment feeling completely elated and over the moon and the next moment you know you're you're in tears so just to, to help mothers through that that period of time um the second course that we're doing is like a practical tips for a happy mum, <laughs> happy, happy <laughs> mums. You know, just, just those things that we, when you've done mothering for, you know, a few years that you get to realise are helpful, like, you know, routines and having a bag for swimming in, in a certain place and um, very, very practical things, you know, having a meal planner, um, having... Um, you know, different colour coding bags for different children, just little tips like that, which might help mothers in their daily in their daily life. So <clears throat> I think that's going to be launched in November with a kind of little five minute video link every morning with a discussion on the Thursday um, for that week. So we'd, it's another five week course. So how do people sign up for that one? Well, that will be through our website. So if you go to Mother's at homematter.com, we've got a section on support. And in that section, there are events and that will be posted onto that, uh, and you can sign up to that. And do you um, have to be a member of Mothers at Home Matter? Not for all of these courses, but for that particular course, I think you do. Um, the Mothers Connect course, you don't have to be a member for, but it's only, you know, to become How a member is, is 12, twelve pounds a year. But if it, if it's mm -hmm. a finance, if if finance is stopping you, then <laughs> we, we will certainly um, raise that. You know, we, we want you to become members. We don't we don't want you to be to stop and to not to not be able to. Uh, and the third course that we're hoping to do is, is um, just looking at finances. So if finances are something that's holding you back, you know, with those ways that we can help you. So, you know, we can look at other ways, like be able to work from home or um, just really taking a look at how you manage finances and being more proactive about it. So um, we've got a really keen new member who's, who's fantastic, who's putting a program together about, um, yeah, finances and mothers at home <laughs> so that's quite exciting yeah yeah but also excellent. yeah then there's our, our campaigning side and now mm. that we now that we are um now that we've got uh we've uh we've got this new website and we we've attracted new members with a lot of enthusiasm which is fantastic um we're well we're working with other organizations to sort of highlight the, um, the needs of young children, but also the need to change the taxation system to, to really take account of families. Um, and two organisations we're working particularly with, one with the um, What About the Children uh, for the Early Years. There's a lot of work also being done by like the 1001 Critical Days. Um, and 
I th what I see mothers at home matter, what I see our role within that organisation, within the 1001 critical days, is to really highlight the importance of a parent being able to be at home. Because a lot of, a lot of, the, um, a lot of the focus is on getting professionals in or enhancing services for mothers uh, and fathers and, and parents and carers and nurseries and etc. And, and having excellence in, in external settings. But one thing that we want to focus on, what we want to really put pressure on to, to, to be acknowledged is the, um, the role of, of a, a parent at home. And also, if that is not possible, then to look at the next best thing, which you know, could be a grandparent or could be another individual or another relative or a friend who, who or even a childminder, but who is able to work in, in, in a home in a more relaxed setting uh, and who's there, you know, on a on a sort of longer term, you know, consistent, and just just look at other options that we can do to support different forms of mm -hmm. childcare, really. And yeah. what um, do you want to say a bit about um, taxation? Like, if the government were to change an aspect of taxation yeah. that would make it a feasible possibility for families to be able to have a parent at home and not suffer a massive dip in income yeah <laughs> what would it what do you think would change what would be the main levers that they could change yeah well I think there's short-term and long-term things um uh in a short term I think we could um increase the transferable allowance so that um uh the parent who's not working could could give the transfer could give the allowance to the to the other partner um the second thing is rather than just fund um, or have tax allowances for those people who work, the same could be given to parents at home so that they have an allowance um, as well. And, and if you're supporting um, children to go into sort of nurseries, why not give that same support to parents at home um, to, allow, to, to allow them, like a voucher system, to allow them whether they choose to go to a nursery or choose to use it to be at home. What so in the short term you think that uh, if like the transferable tax allowance everyone gets a what's it twelve thousand five hundred pounds tax allowance before they have to start paying tax so they can earn that amount of money mm. so if you have a partner who's earning forty thousand pounds if you can transfer your tax allowance to them they pay less tax so that would be twenty five percent at that level wouldn't it yeah. on on an extra £10,000, so you're already making £2,500, um, which actually a lot of mothers work part-time, so they don't make a massive amount mm. more than that, or the 4000 if you're on a 40% um, tax regime. So um, that, and then also you're talking about voucher, a sort of money following the child would mm. be quite an easy thing. Yeah. So if you, you're giving uh, vouchers for childcare outside the home, then you could have a voucher which would you know be like I don't know the free school meals voucher or something there's some money to enable you to supplement your income yeah. to um uh to be able to afford to be at home for the short time that you need to yeah. um are there any sort of longer term um packages you'd suggest yeah um I think one of the problems um when you become um a family reliant on one income is that as that income increases um, to be able to support to support the family, you know, not only the mother at home, but then the children as well, um, you start um, hitting the higher rate tax uh, at 40%. Um, 
and then you also then start hitting the once you, your income increases you know further so you start hitting 50,000 you, you start losing your child benefit so it has quite a knock-on effect to the disposable income that you have whereas if if you both go to work and you're both earning say 20,000 each um, the actual disposable income you have is 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 far greater because both of you are taxed at a lower a lower level and you have your child benefit so actually you know it's quite a few thousand pound difference there is a podcast um the analysis um which is actually on our website as well which is really worth a listen which is saying it costs the government about thirty six thousand to get a mother back into work you know the second area that we would really like to look at is housing um because obviously it, it's a big barrier to uh, people being at home, the cost of housing is really high. Um, I'll just give one little plug here to the right to build people on the 30th of October is a right to build day. Uh, we're trying to build our own home and, and um, the obstacles to try and do that are very high. But, uh, you know, for, for young family, young people, um, the barriers, even even the cost of renting is is, is really high. And, and for a mother at home, I think we're finding more and more that um, <laughs> there are more policies discriminating against mothers at home so for example there are some there are some um, landlords who won't um, won't let won't rent to families where they have one income because they want the security of two incomes mm. um, you know I, I myself have six children and I found that when I tried to rent a house nobody wanted to rent it to me because because I have mm. so many children but um, so that is an area we would like to to look at. There's a, an interesting point on that because I, I read something coming out of the States a couple of years ago saying that actually it's the families on two incomes who are the ones you should be worried about because they have no potential to send another yeah. person out to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, where you're on one income, much as you might hate it, you still have sort of the yeah. potential to work. But if you're on two incomes and you're absolutely up to the limit of mortgage and bills and everything, your earning potential is is severely limited because you have no more no more potential. You can't put in any more hours. Yes. So, um, yeah, that would be a point to make to a landlord. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> at least I could go out to work if I, much as I don't want to. Yeah. Um, or at least it's not, I think the thing is, it's not so much that you don't want to go out to work, it's that you want to look after your children. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. It's the, it's a different mindset, you know, yeah. you're not sitting at home thinking, don't drag me out to an office, I'd hate it. <laughs> and I think <laughs> these things have to be seen in a life cycle, don't they? Because you're not yes. going to be at home forever. For most people, it will probably be five or six or seven years I mean for me it was longer but but I mm. do feel that now I'm, I'm ready to do other things and and I've got the potential to do loads and I've gained loads of skills so um mm. yeah I, I, I in seen in a life cycle where you're working now till till seven, the age of 70 this really is rather a short period of time mm. but I has, exactly. it has amazing and you know it has long-term benefits for for society and for, for the family and for the children <laughs> Yes, yes. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, so just to, to finish off, Anne, can you yeah. mention you've got we've got a um, you've got a conference coming up. How's That's that, right, yeah. how's that going to work this year? Well, this year we've gone online for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> uh, we decided that I think in um, we decided that in June I, to, to try it online because we didn't know what the situation would be in November. So uh, we have an annual conference where we have um a speaker who's usually inspiring or informative in some way. 
Um, and this year we've got um, Dr. Pat Preedy, um, and she um, has had a long and distinguished career in education. Um, she's been ch chief academic officer for an international education company and executive principal of a school. Um, and she's really passionate about early childhood education and done a lot of in international research on the development and needs of babies. Um, and um, what she sort of said to me is that what they're trying to do in the early years education is really try to mirror what has been going on at home. So to try and, because people now have to go out to work, they're trying to bring what was sort of excellence at home into the external environment. So. Um, you know, if it's at all possible, it, you know, it's great if you can be at home, but if you can't, then that's what they're trying to do. Um, but what she's going to do is she's going to look at the development stages of babies uh, and young children and, and sort of just look at what is needed at those development stages and why the role of, of mother is so important. So, um, you know, it'd be great for you to, for, for you to join us. Uh, we will talk a little bit about Mothers at Home Matter and what we're trying to do at the moment. Um, and in the afternoon, we, we've got two conferences, one um, with Tax and the Family, um, looking at um, why mothers have to go out to work or why, you know, fathers, why, why mothers have to go out to work earlier than they would like. Um, and um, Don and Leonard will be... <laughs> Um, able to talk us through that um, and the, the other conference is um, looking at worldwide organizations um, and the, the challenges they face and we've got a couple of ladies from Sweden uh, talking about the challenges really now with this, this um, law looking like they want to introduce compulsory school age from two so they're going to talk about what they're trying to do um, mm. to, to challenge that um, and then there'll also be a chance to question myself and also um, to, to look at our support groups that we're beginning to build up. So do join us. It's the 3rd of November. Um, and is it only for members? No, not anyone at all. Join? Anyone can. In fact, it's £5 for members and £10 for non-members. But we really encourage you to become a member because it's only £12 for the year. So, so it'd actually only be £7? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to to, <laughs> to, yeah. to 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 be a member and then um, come along to the conference. Well, online and it's school hours. It's it is. It's um, uh, it's between uh, it's it's from ten till about two thirty. Um, it is going to be recorded, so you you know if you've got your ticket, you can watch it later. Um, there will be a chance at another time to to question us on on the conference. We will have a. Um, a meeting later about that which will open up um, yeah <laughs> oh that's great and I think I think the lovely thing about Mothers at Home Matter is it's just a safe space <laughs> for mothers who who are um, primarily at home and uh, to talk about children and, and not feel judged or anything so yeah. um, it is lovely and well done to you for all for fitting this all in with your six children and your house building <laughs> and other things that you also do it's just amazing so uh, thank, you. Uh, thank you very much Anne no, that's great <laughs> Becca, thank you for um, sparing time to talk with me today. And I understand your son's asleep at the moment. Yes, yeah. Let's hope he stays that way. <laughs> yes, I know. And I'm taking the most important part of your day, so I do apologise for that. But um, 
hopefully he'll cooperate for the rest of the yes. day and you can get <laughs> things done that you need to be done, get done. Um, so, Becca, uh, can you tell us about what you did uh, BC before you had children? Yep, sure. So um, before I had my son, I worked in the charity sector for just under 10 years. So I worked for a children's charity, a breast cancer charity, and most recently a Christian charity that worked overseas. Um, and I worked in fundraising, volunteer management and organising events. So yeah, that's where my experience is. And did you enjoy it? I loved it. Um, it was brilliant. I, I love working with people, um, supporting people in what they're doing. So um, it really suited my personality. And I struggled a bit after university to to find my feet in terms of a career. Um, and when I realised that you could do kind of volunteer management and fundraising as a profession, um, I was yeah really thrilled that that kind of suited um, my skill set. Um, I originally did an internship at Cancer Research UK and that kind of got me going in, in that direction. Excellent. And now you discover as a mother that you could do volunteering for no pay and it's still it's still something yep. you could do. It's always the it's always the option. And did you think when you had um your son, were you planning to give up work then? Or paid work rather? Yes, so um it it'd been something that my husband and I had planned um for many years. We'd always been very much on the same page about that. Um both of us had mums that were at home with us and so we could see um the kind of vital importance and, and benefits of that. So I guess the, the last few years, even back kind of seven years ago when we bought our house, we had that in mind to not overstretch ourselves and um, to make sure that we could live just off my husband's salary. So we kind of been preparing for that before we had um, our son. That's a, yeah, that's great. That's the way to do it, isn't it? Mm. To, if you can plan ahead. We always went for, I start off in banking. So um, when we bought our house, I was saying, I want affordability on one income. <laughs> yes. That's what it's, it's going to have to be yeah. um, because otherwise it's very difficult. Yeah, you're trapped, how, I think, aren't you? Otherwise that's the problem. Yes. And how have you found um, being at home? Is it harder than you expected or are you just really pleased to be able to do it or, or anything else? Um, I think... I, I love it. I've, I feel very um, fortunate that I've got a lot of um, local friends. So I'm part of, um, I'm heavily involved in a church that's local to us. So I've got lots of friends there as well and lots of mums who are also at home. So I feel, yeah, very blessed in that there's lots of people around me. So I'm very social. I love kind of going out for coffee and cake and meeting up with people in the park. So kind of the mum life suits me. Um, my son's brilliant. He's lots of fun, very happy little boy. So um, I really enjoy kind of being at home with him every day and I, I kind of couldn't imagine not doing that um yeah yeah that's excellent and how did you did how did you find out about mothers at home matter so um it's my mother mother-in-law actually jill um so she's been a member of mothers at home matter since it began about 30 years ago and once i'd had my son she kind of gave me a couple of the newsletters and I just devoured them. I read them front to back and thought, this is wonderful. This is kind of um, evidence and, and research that backs up kind of what my husband and I had already been thinking about how important it was that, that I'd be able to stay at home. And so to find another community of, of mums that agreed um, with everything that we thought of um, was really exciting. And yeah, really, really good. You heard about Mothers at Home Matter through your mother-in-law. And then um, how did you get more involved? So I went to the Mother's Home Matter annual conference last November um, in London um, with my mother-in-law she and, and Theo, my son. So she um, said, let's go and I can kind of keep an eye on him so you can focus on the speakers, which was very kind of her. Um, and it was at conference um, 
where it was part of the AGM, they asked for volunteers. Um, and I hadn't, I hadn't gone planning to sign up, but uh, when I think back, I think uh, it was kind of, um, it was definitely going to happen. <laughs> um, and I think they, they asked particularly around someone to help with, um, organizing conference and because I've done events before I kind of put my hand up and said oh I'm happy to to help with that and I've just got more and more (laughs) involved as time has gone on which is great yeah how do you find the time how do you arrange your day so that you can do it um yeah nap time is is essential time um I mean my son has never been that good at napping in the day he's better now um and evenings I'm, I'm quite used to being busy and and being involved in lots of different things um so I think yeah, I've just managed to kind of find pockets of time and quickly kind of squirrel away and do some emails or, or other things. Um, and both, you know, my mum and also my um, father-in-law, my mother-in-law help a lot with my son so they can come and play with him while I can get on with a few jobs as well. So I'm very fortunate in that respect. That's brilliant. And you have been, you've been involved with setting up local groups, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, so um, I kind of started off helping with conference, but then I what I'm really passionate about is bringing people together, especially mums. And so that was something I talked to Anne about kind of early on was it was the support side of Mothers at Home Matter that um, kind of, yeah, I'm really, I really feel really passionately about. And so, as I said earlier, I, I'm quite fortunate. That I've got a few different friends um, from different friendship groups who have decided to stay at home with their children. And so I was already keen to bring them together as in kind of a local group. And so I said to Anne, oh, wouldn't it be you know great to, to set these up um, across the country. And I think that they had thought that before, but I think hadn't had someone to kind of lead on it. Um, and I remember speaking to one mum at conference last year, um, who I think was based in uh, Surrey or somewhere not, I'm in Essex and so not too close to me, sadly. So I couldn't kind of meet up with her easily. And she said she felt very alone and quite isolated and that all her friends were working. Um, and sometimes she, she said she questioned the decision, like whether it was right that she was at home. And, and it, I just felt really sad for her. And I encouraged her. I said, oh, I, I think it definitely is the right decision, what you're doing. And, and it, I guess that conversation just made me think, oh, I think it's really needed that we set up these support groups just to encourage each other. So um, how how's it gone, the setting up process? How, how many have you set up? Yeah, it's, it's been really good. We've had um, a lot of interest, which is great. So we've, we've got 11 groups at the moment, um, kind of across the country. So from Scotland down to Isle of Wight, which is really exciting. Um, so we launched back in spring of this year. And obviously plans had to change slightly because of COVID. Um, but actually that didn't deter us. And in some ways it's 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 changed our course a little bit in that we're doing more around kind of zoom evening meetings where I'd initially thought of daytime play dates or coffee, you know, coffee mornings. Um, but actually like the group I run, which, um, we have a zoom meeting every other Wednesday evening. And that's really good time actually, because the children are usually in bed or if, you know, a baby cries and they need to pop upstairs, you can do that and then come back to the meeting. It's not like you're having to figure out childcare or, or other things. And a lot of the mums have said that they really appreciate that time, kind of uninterrupted conversation, mm. which is quite rare as a mum, especially of young children. So I think it's, yeah, it's kind of opened up a different, um, yeah, different options for the groups and all our groups are very different and it kind of depends on the group members and the group leader kind of when and how they meet. Uh, how do, how does your group work? Does, does one of you chair it as such when you meet or do you just say, so what's going on? <laughs> yeah, so I, I, on? I guess I, I lead it, but I think because in my group, especially there's, there's six of us and we all have 
children kind of under two so all young children um and so there's almost don't need to think of conversation topics because we can talk about nappies and sleep and all sorts of things eating all day long so I've not had to particularly plan conversation topics but I think also I've got a lot of (laughs) good talkers in my group we all love to talk so it's you know it's supposed to be an hour but it it always overruns which is lovely and there's been people kind of uh, who are pregnant with their second child at the same time that wouldn't have known each other unless they were part of the group so it's it's that kind of bonding experience as well um but some of our other groups meet um weekly on a morning on zoom um others kind of monthly um we'd love to get to a point where we're meeting face to face we've done a few kind of walks and things but with restrictions at the moment it is easier to kind of start out on zoom and kind of see how we go um so yeah, they're all very different, but kind of whatever suited to the to the, the groups locally. Um, we'd love to grow the groups and have more. Um, but equally for me, it's never been a, a kind of numbers game. It's even if we just have a few groups that are supporting mums and helping them to feel kind of encouraged and um, in their decision, then I feel like we've done a good job. How did you find the other? Oh, sorry. How did you find the other leaders? Where did you find people to run them? So we um, promoted the fact we were launching groups kind of to the Mothers at Home Matter members. So we do ask that group leaders are also a member of Mothers at Home Matter, just so they're connected to us as an organisation and kind of updated with the newsletters and, and things like that. But the, but the group members, so anyone that wants to be part of a group, they, you know, that doesn't have to, they don't have to be a member of Mothers at Home Matter. We, you know, we talk about Mothers at Home Matter, but actually it's, that's not the kind of purpose of the groups. The groups are to you know, have other people to talk to and and share with. Um, So we got quite a lot of um, interest just from emailing out on bulletins and in the newsletter. Um, We're starting to do more on social media now. And we've had quite a lot of new members to Mother's Own Matter because people have have seen the groups and thought, oh, I'd like to lead one. And and actually, I'd like to be part of this organisation too. And most people that find us, I think sometimes we're quite hard to find. When they find us, they're really grateful, like I was, to find a community of of similar mums. Mm. And what you're doing is um, is volunteering uh, yourself. Like you were, you were working with charities before, and you're using your skills now in uh, in what you're yes. doing. Does it? Do, do you enjoy volunteering? I mean, do, do you feel it adds to your life, or it just adds a layer of stress that you could do without? <laughs> I yeah, um, I love volunteering. I think because I was in you know the sec the charity sector, you know, um, I could. I'm used to celebrating the benefits of volunteering, not just for the organisation that you're giving your time to, but to you yourself. And and I find it gives me um, a lot of self-worth and, and value. And, and I it's part of my identity. I've always been involved in different things. Um, and I think it's great to kind of keep your skills ticking over when you're not in paid work. So things to have on your CV, things to be able to talk about in interviews later on down the line, I think is really important. And just to give you something else to talk about, I think when I, you know, chatting to friends, especially those who aren't parents, sometimes people don't really know how to talk to you about your main job of being a mum. But if you've got other areas that you're involved in, I think sometimes they feel more comfortable talking about that. And that way you're still talking about your main role as mum, but also with, you know, the things you do alongside it. Um, yeah, I, I do think something I've been thinking about recently is is just making sure you have that balance because I think actually our role as mums especially to young children is is our most important job and so the volunteering adds to that and is is really is really important but I think you want to have that balance that it's not impacting you know I don't want to be doing so much that I feel kind of stressed 
around my son and he pick up on that so it's 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 finding that balance but I think different people it will be different activities different organizations different amounts of time they give but I think the benefit to yourself as an individual is is huge um yeah yeah I really agree with that I took over as um chair of the NCT in Reading when I think when well, when I just had my daughter and I remember waking up the morning after the night before thinking, what have I done? <laughs> Why am I offered to do yes. this? But I got so much out of it, you know, and uh, and I look back now and think, when on earth did I do it? But they did yeah. go to bed early. You know, now yes. we they we all go to bed at the same time because they're mm-hmm. 11, 14. Um, so, you you know, you lose your evening. But when they're yes. young, you, yes. you have an evening. Yeah, and definitely. It's, actually, it's an opportunity definitely. <laughs> to and- do stuff. Yeah. And another thing about volunteering that I love is it's very social. You know, I've, I call the other committee members of Mother's Home Matter, you know, my, my new colleagues, and it's lovely. The new friendships I never would have made otherwise. Um, all the different people I've met and the other mums I've met, it's, it's, it's a privilege. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge kind of advocate for volunteering. And I think it's really good, um, yeah, for self-esteem, especially some mums, you know, might feel they just want something else, um, I think there's lots of different things you can get involved with that kind of suit your how much time you have to give. I think, yeah, they often interview people on the radio, but, you know, mothers who are at home who are bored and they think the only solution is going back to work. Yeah. And I think, well, you can volunteer. And, yeah. and volunteering is always a good way to meet like-minded people. Um, and it's it, it just it takes away the sense that you have to be paid to be of yeah. value. And it's so much more flexible. I love that, you know, if I'm because you're not paid you can say oh, actually I'm going to you know take a step back for a little bit while I focus on this or I can get a bit more involved at this point because I've got a bit more time um so you're able to yeah to kind of do what suits you and work around your your child or children I think that's the great thing is that you have that you've kind of got the power a bit more and so you're able to choose where you where and when you give your time whereas I think paid work you're very much stuck in the structure of nine to five or whatever hours you're, you're supposed to work and often they that doesn't fit in with a child's life even if they are at school it doesn't fit in with school times and yeah yeah that's it I remember thinking when my children were starting um, primary school I thought oh well you know you have all this time then you think oh holidays and half term mm. and you don't you don't whereas volunteering is very flexible and yes. you you can you know you can drop it you know if necessary yeah you can you can give it up and that gives you the freedom to keep going because yeah. you know there's a way out exactly exactly <laughs> you can carry on yes yeah, yeah. and I oh, found well, thank you sorry yes go on I was just sorry, saying I found on. it interesting that um, so I, I did NCT, which was brilliant. And I've got a lovely group of mums, all local um, to where I live. And we were such a great support network to each other in the first year. But I, I definitely noticed, you know, around the time that a lot of children turn one, that is that is when a lot of mums go back to work. And so you can feel a bit more isolated at that point in terms of like the day-to-day, who you're, who you're meeting up with, what you're doing. And so I, I think for me, it was a kind of continuation of that. These Our local support groups kind of can continue where maybe NCT stops it's just being around um in the day to meet up and encourage each other so that's something I was really keen to to do as well it is a connection between uh, anyone in similar situations is so important that yeah. it's the whole sort of oh you too yes. feeling you have the same experience and yeah it validates you and makes you feel you're not alone yes um, definitely and there's always issues all the way through with children. There's always things you can discuss all, yeah. the, all the way through. I was saying there's so, never, you never run out of anything to, to talk about. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Oh, well, Becca, it's a great thing that you're doing with the local 
uh, groups. It's a real uh, blessing to, you know, all the all the mothers who can get involved with that. Um, what I, have you got any thoughts about if mothers were working part time, whether they might join or? Yeah, so so we're definitely not exclusive to mums that are home full time. We have um, so someone in my group actually that's a, a beauty therapist a couple of days a week, um, and her husband or parents have her daughter the day she works. So I. And, and yeah, I, and there's other people in the diff, other different groups that that work part time. Um, so it's definitely not exclusive. It's just it's more about the like minded mums. It's kind of mums on the same page about how they want to kind of prioritise their week and what they want to be doing and how much time they're spending with their children as opposed to not. I think it's yeah, it's, it's that kind of balance. Um, so, we, yeah, we welcome any mums that just want to connect and, and also mums that want to find out a bit more, maybe haven't really considered not working before maybe want to kind of ask some questions and explore mm. that further and see if that's something they they could do so how would people find out if there's a local group near them so they can get in touch with me <laughs> so um my email address is groups at mothers at home um and i can let them know what um different groups there are across the country we've also got a list on our website of all the different groups and then they've also the group leaders got their email address up there as well um and yeah we're just really keen to hear from people because even if there isn't a group in your area what's great about meeting on zoom is you could still join another one for the time being and it may be that there's a few other people that get in touch and so then a, a group is formed and and a group can just be two three four people it doesn't have to be a big number um to start with and then you know the hope is that it just kind of snowballs and we we kind of grow in in members and more group leaders coming forward mm excellent well thank you very much becca so you're doing a great job and uh, keep going with it thank you well thank you very much to becca and to anne and to you for listening to this podcast i hope you found it interesting can i recommend the mothers at home matter.com website if you look under economics it explains really what uh, what the issue is when only one person is doing paid work and it explains why the taxation is really so significant um for example if you're earning even uh, one person's earning even 30,000 pounds a year your family will be paying 300 pounds a month more in tax than if two of you are out earning the same amount. Uh, that's £300 per month more in tax. Then if one of you is earning um, £60,000, you're going to be paying £527 per month more in tax than if two people were earning up to that amount. So it really is a massive penalty on a single income family just because the mother or you know both of you are not out at work. Now, I was delighted to get an email from a lady called Sally following my last email, uh, my last email, my last podcast on mothers and uh, meals. And you can email me on mothersmatter at outlook.com. That's the best way to reach me. Uh, Sally made the point that I hadn't covered breastfeeding at all and how important breastfeeding is for the healthy development of the baby's gut. She sent me uh, some quite in-depth research, which I'm very happy to forward on to anyone. Um, I know uh, breastfeeding can be contentious because, again, it comes up under the topic of um, mother's guilt. But if you are able to breastfeed and uh, even if it's difficult and you can persevere, it is very worthwhile. And this research 
research talks about two main things. One is the um, a microbiome, which is all the microbes that live in, um, in your body and uh, how important breastfeeding is to develop that. And then also the bifidobacteria, which is the um, probiotics in our in our intestines and stomach, which help our body perform essential functions such as digestion and keeping harmful bacteria away. This bifidobacteria can be up to 300% higher in exclusively breastfed babies, which is massive. It's very, very significant. And it is worth encouraging people to breastfeed, even at the risk of some people maybe feeling guilty because they're unable to do it. I mean, a lot of mothers maybe can't do it because they have to go back to work so soon, or maybe they don't know how important it is. Uh, and exclusive breastfeeding is obviously its easiest and it's most likely to be successful if the mother is able to be at home full time, um, at least for those first six months. And actually, a recent development is if you are expected to be working from home because of uh, COVID, then it's difficult to do the on-demand feeding that babies really need. So we, we need to have some recognition of the value of what mothers are doing when they're at home with their babies, breastfeeding, just for those first six months, if not longer. Apparently, breast milk is rich in beneficial bacteria only when it comes directly from the mother's breast. So um, when it's been pumped and stored, it loses some of that beneficial bacteria. Um, it's all really quite amazing. So, uh, well, thank you for listening. And I have uh, already started working on the next podcast, which is about making money from home. So I hope that will be out soon. Don't forget, if you listen to this in time, the Mothers at Home Matter online conference is on the 3rd of November. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.